Hello, everybody. Welcome once again as we continue on in our series that we've called Being. And uh, this series is based on the Beatitudes, um, and we're going to sort of wrap it up tonight, uh, today, in our time together. And I'm going to do a review and then tie in the last few scriptures that connect with the Beatitudes there in Matthew chapter 5. Before I do, we, we went out today and we did a, a $1 car wash. We had a great time. It's, it, these are the, I have more fun at these events than just about anything. Um, and we had a great volunteer group. Thank you, everybody that came out and helped us wash cars. Uh, we washed over 50 cars um, uh, over there at the Bank of America. And if you don't know, our $1 car wash isn't a fundraiser, it's an outreach. So we get out there with signs that say $1 car wash, and when they go to pay us, a, we don't take their dollar, we give them one of our dollars. And a, and a coupon for a free breakfast or a free dinner at the vineyard, that's all we call it. And uh, I love those coupons too, because it, it, it lists what we have for dinner, and then, and then it says um, live entertainment. <laughs> I, I just love that. So, um, so we were out doing this today, and it... I think the reason I love it is because of the uh, interaction we have at the end when they go to pay us and we give them a dollar instead. And one guy said today, he, he sat there and he looked at me and, he, and these were, the, I love this is my new phrase, I haven't heard this in a long time, he said this, I'm flabbergasted. And I was like, really? That's great. So here's, here's what fascinates me guys. That, that you can flabbergast somebody by taking 10 minutes out of your day to serve them and give them a dollar. Because it so goes against what they expect. And, and, and I mean, flabbergasted. I, 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 I was like, that was the best descriptive word I've heard in a long time. You know, lots of people, I can't believe it, and you guys are great, and thank you so much, and I hear you've made my day over and over again, but, but flabbergasted is my new favorite term. Let's get out there and flabbergast the world for Jesus, you know, so that they're, so the, and, but see, it's simple things like that, and, and that's uh, really what I think this all ties into in how we impact people uh, in this whole uh, series and what it's been all about. Now, um, remember that we set this whole thing up by saying that our culture has shifted um, and they believe that life is found in having. And their pursuit for life is acquiring things. And, and most people believe that if they can just acquire enough things and enough wealth and enough whatever, then life is going to work. And they live in a constant state of if and, and then, or when and then thinking. When and then. When this happens, then. When this happens, then it's going to work out. When and then, when and then. So what we understand, though, from the Scripture is that life is found in being. It's all about being in relationship with God, and being in relationship with others. That, that life is not about right circumstances, it's found in right attitudes. Because your circumstances are, you can't control your circumstances. 
You try and try and try and try, it never works. Your attitudes, though, you can work on and develop and put into place in your life and in your relationship with God and others. And so that's what we're trying to do as we work through the Beatitudes. Now, um, I've encouraged you to memorize Matthew 5, 3 through 10, and we're going we're gonna to run through them today together. Uh, and, and if you haven't memorized them yet, I'd encourage you to put them together. I'm going to just kind of break them down and go just kind of do a quick review over them, and then we'll, we'll tie in the rest of the, the passage when we get to it today. We started out eight weeks ago with verse uh, 5, 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And we called that one the attitude of humility. And if you hold on to this one sheet, you can get rid of the other eight. This one will help you out a lot. And I would keep this worksheet um, with you and pray about it for a while. The attitude of humility. Being poor in spirit or humble is where we begin to realize that life, life is found in being in relationship with God and others. It's the foundation. It's the starting point. And, and not only is it the starting point for almost everything important in life, it's a return point. You have to keep going back to that place of humility because we have a tendency to start getting a little arrogant along the way. And, and the moment we move into that arrogant place, um, we, we really stop having an impact in the world around us. And we start to miss out on life because it becomes more about us than it should be. And so I find all the time that I'm constantly going back to that place of humility, um, usually because God's taking me there. <laughs> Not because I'm just so humble, but because I realize that I've gotten off track because he shows me and I have to run back to humility. It's a constant starting point. But it starts it all out. It's the attitude that needs to be in place to even begin to uh, work on the other attitudes in your life. Then we looked at Matthew 5, 4. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And again, a lot of these Beatitudes sound funny, that, that happier you who mourn, happier the poor in spirit. It doesn't seem to make sense. Um, but they, uh, they do make a lot of sense when you understand what Jesus was trying to tell us. And, and what happens is, and I call this one the attitude of reality, that when you get to that place of humility where you realize you can't make it in your own strength, you can't do it in your own strength, and you need God, um, suddenly there's this kind of wave that will hit you of all the things you've been trying to do to make life work, and the reality becomes very apparent that, that we live in a fallen world on a broken planet, our sin caused it, um, we can't fix it in our own strength, and it's kind of discouraging, it's discomforting, it's, it's, it's something that will cause you to mourn, and yet, it's in the realization of that reality that we understand that we can only make it in the mercy and grace of God. So it's a really good place for us to get to, that, that life, we can't make life work. We desperately need God's mercy and grace in our lives. We get to a place of humility, and then we get to this reality spot where we get it. That it's, it's all about mercy and grace. See, because until we understand our own desperate need for mercy and grace, we can't help people around us. We just can't. Because you'll just judge them. You'll be critical. You won't, you won't be helpful to them. You, 
just won't work. So that has to take place in our lives. Then we said that blessed are the meek, Matthew 3, uh, 5, 3, 5, 5, pardon me, for they will inherit the earth. I call this the attitude of gentleness. See, things are changing now. We're getting away from our pride, hopefully moving towards humility. Reality is that we can't do this without God's mercy and grace. And so having accepted that, we should be able to extend it to others. And it should have an impact on the way that we begin to treat people around us. Less like the machinery and scenery of our lives, people that are there to serve us. And more with the understanding of the verse says that, that uh, uh, meek or, or gentle will inherit the earth. That, that, that word, and we looked at, at the Greek, it means that, that our inheritance is not the, the earth, it's the inhabitants of the earth. And that, that our ultimate inheritance are the lost, the, the people around us. And that, that we, we won't get them uh, into the kingdom until we begin to love them. And until we begin to see them as, as our inheritance. As, and, and the idea of one more begins to, to take hold in our lives. And the importance of it. The, the people around us. That, that uh, our, our perspective has to move from being so narrow focused about our, us to a much bigger picture about God and others. And that, um, that's the, that's, see the thing is, that's where we find life. We hang on to things so tightly where there's no life. Life is found in letting go. It's a full, the, the, Jesus' teaching is full of paradox. You want to find life, you're going to lose it. What? It means you, you quit trying to pursue it the way you thought, and you pursue God, and you find life. And, it, and so this happens in that uh, process. Matthew 5, 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they'll be filled. I call that the attitude of radical living. I put, you know, and every time I say radical, I mean other than what the world expects. Um, and, and the type of life that we talk about and talk about and talk about is, is, is living by trying to do the next right thing. I'll bring it up, and I'll bring it up, and I'll bring it up. Because I think it makes a huge difference. If you were here during the week, we were looking at Acts chapter 15 last week, and I, I said that the council, the church council, the first church council, it meant in 48, 49 AD, had this huge situation going on because the, the gospel had spread to the Gentiles, and they were part of the, the, the Jewish believers in church who were insisting that the Gentiles be circumcised, and in effect that meant not only circumcision, but following and obeying the entire law of Moses, and the Gentiles weren't hearing of it. And, and so there was a big uh, council of churches. And that the, James, the apostle, after hearing everything, uh, the half-brother of Jesus, finally said, Listen, um, we, we don't want to burden the Gentiles. We're just going to give them these, this little list of things that we think they ought to do. Uh, and uh, uh, it, was, it was three things. And um, what I said to the group on Wednesday night is, in effect, what he said was, Listen, here's what you need to do. You just need to live by trying to do the next right thing. That's what, that's what we're going to put in on you. It's about grace and mercy. doesn't mean that we can go do whatever we want. It's not the issue. It's about trying to live by doing the next right thing, the thing that will please Jesus. And when we mess up, we run into him and ask him to forgive us, and he does. And then he sends us out to go again 
to live, to try and do the next right thing, that we have to have this concept that that's radical living in, in a way that will impact the world. Matthew 5, 7, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. I called this one the attitude of radical hospitality. And, and I said that, that ultimately this idea of mercy, this, the hospitality, caring about the concerns of others and their comfort um, has a lot to do with seeing the beauty of people's potential. And that, that, that's merciful. That, that instead of treating people uh, the way that you, you think you should by how you've judged them, instead you see them the way Jesus did in the beauty of their potential. And that, that, that allows us then, rather than being judgmental and critical and withdrawing, to move into situations to extend mercy, and that the promise is, as we extend mercy, we receive mercy, so it's a wonderful promise. And, and that, um, you know, I also said that a lot of times I think we don't. We, we, we don't move into situations because they overwhelm us. And, and we feel somehow that if we move into a thing, we've got to fix the whole thing, and that's not. That's God's job. What you need to be willing to do is to step in and do what you can do. Whatever that looks like. Sometimes it's a kind word. Sometimes it's a kind action. Sometimes it's just listening. But it's a willingness to move in to those situations. Even if your response is, you know, that's hard. I can pray. That's what I got. That's really good stuff. If that's all you got, that's plenty. Prayer is good. Sometimes you might be able to do something else. That's good too. But, but that's the idea between, behind radical hospitality. And then Matthew 5.8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. I call this one the attitude of integrity. And this, see, now we're moving along in these things, in our, in our attitudes, and we're beginning to develop. And the idea of integrity pops up, because uh, to me, integrity means that what I say I believe and how I live my life begin to match. And see... That's, that's a huge thing. And this is often the place where I get to that sends me shooting back to humility. Because when I catch myself not living up to what I say I believe, I need to go running back. And, and so it's a process, but it's an important process. Our, what we say and how we live have to match. And, and listen, the world that we're reaching out to is watching us. I'm not saying you got to be perfect, because we're not. But we have to match what we say and what we believe, or at least be moving in that direction. Do you get it? That's integrity. We're going to fail sometimes, and people got to see that we fail, and we run back to God. We don't act like we have it all together when we don't. But we don't live compartmentally. By that, I mean we don't live one way on Sunday morning and live differently the rest of the week. We don't live one way at work and live one way. We don't do that. We, we just are who we are. And that, that needs to extend through our lives. That's integrity. Matthew 5, 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. Um, and I called this one the attitude of ambassadors. And I said that, uh, and it goes along with the previous one of integrity, this, this radical message that we've been given um, is, is lived out among the people around us more than spoken out. 
the radical message is words. It's, it's you know, the gospel is what I told you that, that um, Jesus died for our sins. He, he was buried and he rose again on the third day and he was seen by hundreds of people. That's the heart, the core of the gospel message, the good news. Um, and yet, what we're called to as his ambassadors is to live that life out, to live the results of that life out among people, because that's the only way that they'll ever really listen to us. We got to get out there and flabbergast some people. And, and I, uh, you can't flabbergast people by, I have found very limited success in preaching, I got to be careful how I say this. Um, I've never argued anybody into the kingdom. I've loved some people in. I haven't argued anybody in yet. Um, it doesn't work for me. They got to see that. I, they got to see the. They got to see love. As far as I, that's how the only thing that works. As far as I know. So, so this whole idea of of being peacemakers is is to help people be reconciled to God. Be get back. See that if you don't know Christ, you're not at peace with God. That's the only way in. And, and so, uh, so that's how we have to do it. Matthew 5.10, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And, and the verses have fallen. We talked about that last week, and I called it the attitude of righteousness. And, and um, I, I, I think some people have uh, got a bad concept of what righteousness is, and they've totally mixed it up with self-righteousness. And that self-righteousness is what the Pharisees were known for, and it was, it was being all sort of a holier-than-thou attitude because they followed a bunch of rules, which they broke, and that we think that's what righteousness is, and we're always thinking, you know, okay, well, you know, if I get some rules, I'll follow them, and then I'm, I'm righteous, and that's not what it is. Righteousness, um, if you remember, is being right with God, which only happens in Christ, and then living by doing the next right thing. That's righteousness. Getting right with God in Christ and then doing what's right. That's righteousness. As often as you can. Again, not holding you to that standard. I know we all mess up. I mess up all the time. But the idea is I'm, I, I want to not. But I, I still do. Still get selfish, still get mean, still get all those things that I get. Um, I, I want to not do that, but I'm not there yet. And I, I, that's, that's where we're at. But um, we're moving in that direction. And that's this idea, this attitude of righteousness. And that we, we said this last week, that even though we want to help people and bless people and care about people, um, uh, some people, they'll persecute us for what we believe. They'll think that we're, you know, small-minded, narrow-minded, not very bright. Uh, then it's okay. I mean, it has to be. That's the, the far worse things happen to Christians all over the world than that when they're persecuted. Um, for us, you know, fortunately, that's usually it. We're just mocked and ridiculed, and they, you know, I, I, TV shows that I watch. They, have you ever noticed that there's no on regular TV? They never portray Christians well, ever. They're always horrible people. And, and unfortunately, that's what we've sort of, that's what we've got to deal with. They're always, anyway. Um, 
All right, so that leads me to this as we, we tie this up. Listen to this, and it should pop overhead, which I'm sure it's in your notes. Matthew 5, 13 through 16. Jesus is ending this little section of the Sermon on the Mount. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on the stand, on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Here's the deal. As we try and live out these attitudes, something inside us begins to change because our pursuit is no longer having. Our pursuit is more about um, being. And we get that it becomes about God and, and about others, and that's where we find life. And as we get that, what we begin to really have a heart for is the lost, which ties into our mission. We really begin to care about people that don't know Jesus, because God is changing us by the way that we're living, by these attitudes, by the power of his spirit to be less selfish and more selfless, and to develop the very heart that he has for the lost. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whosoever believeth him shall not perish but have everlasting life. See, that's, that's the heart that God wants us to have. That we're developing in these attitudes. And interestingly enough, reading that verse, um, uh, the thing that causes people to see a difference and to give praises to God, the thing that perhaps opened them up to a little bit to God, according to that verse, is our good deeds. The way that we live this thing out. The things that we do for them. Serving them. Showing them radical generosity. Uh, and I put in there good deeds or good works equals or is radical generosity, which we've talked about. All of these concepts that are found in the Beatitudes and the way we're supposed to live. Now, one thing, uh, make sure you know this, that our good deeds don't save us. That's not how we get saved. That's a gift. Um, but our good deeds, which we're created for, help the lost turn to God. See, that's what they're here for. That's a whole, see, as you tie it in, you start to realize, well, that's, that's what we're here for. That's it. We're ambassadors. This is, this is what we're called to be. I, I, I don't think we'll do it, but I think it would be fun to spend some time and just, you know, how a lot of sometimes at churches, they call everybody brother and sister and, and whatever, and, and, you know, title. We should just call everybody ambassador. Wouldn't that be fun? It'll be a little Star Trek-y, but, but, you know. <laughs> you start greeting everybody as ambassador. Ambassador, how are you? Um, <laughs> I'm not going to do that. But, but I think it would be kind of fun, don't you? But see, we, there's something about that. Ooh, if it ever sinks in, it'll change us. Because that's who we are. We're his ambassadors. So um, we're representatives. And, 
And the way that we get people's attention is by doing these things he's created us to do. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. It's by grace you've been saved through faith. This not from yourselves, it's the gift of God, not by work, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. As we live all this out, being in relationship with God, being in relationship with others. It ultimately comes down to this thing. We're the salt of the earth. We're the light of the world. And that, that as we move into the world and bless them, because we've been blessed. We bless them with our deeds. We bless them with our love. We, we bless them by caring about them. We bless them. Because we understand how important it is, because it's the heart of God, we, we do these things that some of them come. Just one more. I, I want 